You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello and good day, San Jose. Welcome to the Stick Hungry Podcast, your home of the San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, and before, guys, we get into anything too crazy and I start introducing the co-hosts that we have, got a quick little word from our sponsor for today, DraftKings. Just letting you guys know right now, pigskin fans, football fans, NFL fans, the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55 is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. It's really simple. Uh, all you have to do is download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge you only at DraftKings. You had the me at free. <laughs> the official daily partner, official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details boys are you excited you excited to get your 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 prizes you get up to 55 million dollars yeah i got my DraftKings on baby let's go <laughs> i would have loved i would have loved the billion dollar powerball ticket down here but i'll yeah, that, i'll take the draft i'll take the 55 million i'll take that yeah no i don't i don't blame you kyle i would have taken that money as well especially with the, how the housing price is up here in uh, northern california <laughs> So yeah, today I got with me Isha from uh, the Soda Pod, which is great because today we are facing off against the Minnesota Wild for the second game of our two-game series. And a uh, long-lost podcaster of ours, Kyle McLaren. <laughs> Kyle, how you doing, Hey, hey my, inter my internet's working so far, so I'm happy about that. So nice to see you good. guys again. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, good to have you back, man. Yeah, man, it's good to jump on with you boys. How's it going? Well, you know, it's it's a little bit cloudy today up in uh, Northern California. A couple of people got some snow in up here, but uh, everything's going great so far. Still get a, enough. It's not cold enough to stay inside. It's just enough to play some ball hockey outside with the sun, which is what I did this morning. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's uh, it, it's flurries here on Vancouver Island. It's like snow warning and everything. It's minus two <laughs> in Canadian terms. <laughs> minus two. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, before we get into recapping the series against St. Louis, uh, let's do a quick shout out for our social media handles. You can find myself on Twitter at Nick Floor underscore. You can follow the podcast at Stick Hungry Pod. Isha, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at VI Sports Talk. Uh, I know it says Tuke here in the live stream. Those Hoppy was giving me a hard time for it, my co host at a Stick Hungry. But yeah, at VI Sports Talk and the Soda Pod at the Soda Pod. Check it out. Hey, Kyle, where can we find you at, bud? McLaren underscore K. 
Boom. Couple weeks off, but he still remembers it. All right, let's go, yes. baby. <laughs> All right. So a uh, little bit of shark centric news uh, coming out right now. The sharks have to play at least the first two home games, which are scheduled for February 1st and the third, I believe it's against the Vegas golden Knights at the Gia arena in Arizona. We kind of expected this moving forward, um, knowing the, the shutdown rules right now because of COVID protocol in Santa Clara County, uh, they essentially said, nope, still no contact allowed in that county. Um, what are you guys what are you guys' thoughts on this? Do you think this is gonna affect the Sharks players mentally moving forward? Hey, Kyle, I mean, you're the former player, so you start out before I give my uh, pigeon opinion here. <laughs> yeah, you you know what? It, it's you know when you're eight, it's gonna be what close to six to seven weeks away from your family, uh, or your kids or your girlfriend. And to me, that's going to affect them a lot. I mean, you want to see your family. You want to be home in your own bed. Um, you mean, the Sharks are doing okay, but getting a home-cooked meal after a two-week road trip uh, when I used to play, that was probably the best thing that you could have is, is sleeping in your own bed, driving to the rink instead of being on a bus, instead of being in a hotel room. I know things have changed now, but you know what? They're trying to make the best out of this right now. And that's the thing is you have to worry about is, is they have to maintain this until they can come home. And right now that's their home away from home, but they're all worried about hockey. But you know what? If, if I was doing that, and if I was on the road for like six to seven weeks, it would affect my mental side. I, I heard talk, uh, Patty Marlowe talking about it is you have to check in with those things. Mm -hmm. It is not an easy thing to do. And, I don't know if they're the only team in the NHL doing this right now, but they're one of the small teams that can't go home and play. And it's got to affect them somehow, but you still have to worry about your job. And that's the thing. It's a job and you have to go do it. Yeah. I mean, my opinion kind of echoes exactly what Kyle, Kyle said. Um, I will say that, I mean, these, they are professionals though, and at least hockey's going. So they're going to, I don't think it's going to affect their play as much as much yeah. as a fan, I, I don't think it should worry a fan. Like maybe it affects their play. Obviously, because Kyle said, like the mental game is just yeah. as just as important as the physical game. But when the when the puck drops, like maybe practices are probably a fucking grind. I'd have to, I'd have to believe. But I, I feel like once the puck drops and the game's going and the Sharks score a couple goals, that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna make the the most of at least playing this season. Yeah, I was just about to talk about what Kyle said about uh, Patrick Marlowe. You know, uh, a seasoned veteran in the locker room is going to help a lot with keeping the guys kind of contained mentally. And he touched on that earlier in an interview. He basically said everyone needs to check on each other. You know, they could use this as an opportunity to to feel bad for themselves or they can use it as an opportunity to really bond together as teammates. And I feel like the leadership core in the locker room now is going to choose the latter. Um Again, I don't expect this team to make some miracle run at the cup or anything, but I feel like they're going to build a stronger camaraderie through this, or at least that's what I'm hoping for from a, a fan's perspective. Yep. Um, looks like we got a couple of a uh, couple of comments in from, I believe it's the Twitter stream. Uh, Shane Van Nice says, "I had a question for the mailbag. It was if Kyle chugged a fifth before the game." Who would win? Oh, this was a while ago. I remember this. This was the mailbag a couple weeks ago. He said, who would win? Kyle versus myself, producer T, and Dylan in a full-length game of hockey. So who would win, Kyle? If you had to chug a fifth of your preferred whiskey, I'm assuming you're a Gentleman Jack type of guy. No, I'm not a Gentleman Jack type of guy. Oh, that hurts. 
<laughs> who do you think would win in a hockey game? That's uh, that's an easy question. Come on. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Are we playing are we playing ball hockey? You know I mean I know I know how to present myself. <laughs> I'm not but I'm not no. playing goaltender. That's all I know. I'm not in net. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Uh that's an easy question. You should know the answer to that. But uh you know I'm gonna I'm gonna touch back on that the whole being in Arizona thing. Do the sharks really have a choice right now of where they can play? And they don't. No, I, I, it has they to stick with to NHL rinks only. I believe they they can only go with yep. NHL rinks because they're available for the the TV stuff. I don't know what goes yep. into the length of that, so they they can't do anything at like Solar for America Ice or something like yep. that. They have well, they to stick to. Yeah, they can't be in Sacramento. They can't be in Stockton. They have to be in NHL rinks. So again, is is if you're a professional athlete, you have to deal with the circumstances that present yourself. Um. But again, as I, I just think for the mental side of it is, I, I'm I, th- I thought I read today is they're they're trying to get girlfriends or wives to be able to come see them in the bubble, and it, it presents a whole another question because you I mean the trade that just happened between Line and uh, Dubois? Get the quarantine for fourteen days right now. I mean that's at least three or four or five games that they're not going to be playing. So. It, it's it's they're doing the best they can under the circumstances they're presented with, and once everything's lifted, I'm sure the Sharks would love to come back home and play uh, at the SAP uh, Arena. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I I know the fans, the the town, the people. Even uh, Jonathan Becker himself has talked about uh, you know we want them to come back home and play in their home yeah. arena, play at their rink. So um, we'll see moving forward. We know it's just the first couple of games. Uh, but we'll see moving forward for the later, essentially, section of the season if they're going to be able to play back home. Um, just wanted to jump into recapping the series against St. Louis. Uh, nothing too heavy because we have a little bit more uh, important of a, I won't say a rival, but a competition coming up most specifically tonight. Uh, so the Sharks, have said, they end up splitting the series one-to-one with a shootout win on Wednesday night. Um, they found a way to button it down defensively this game. Uh, and, and get the win. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't necessarily ugly per se. I don't know if you guys were able to watch any of the games. Uh, Sorensen had a phenomenal goal after a great puck battle in the corner boards. Ended up flying midair to score it. Um, Kane had four penalties for eight penalty minutes, which was absolutely insane. I don't know how he didn't get benched or demoted or or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but overall, a decent game from the Sharks and much to my criticism prior to that game where I publicly tweeted out that they found ways to lose games. I remember Kyle, I believe you looked like that one retweeted it. The sharks were finding ways to lose games. Well, they found a way to win that game, whether it came from a, a, you know, a shutout win, a win is a win. Um, Jones played pretty well. Sharks were five for five on the power. uh, Sorry, on the penalty kill, but also Oh, for seven on the power play. Uh, We'll see how that essentially ends up moving forward. But one of the bigger advanced stats that I saw was the Sharks only gave up two high danger chances as opposed to 12 in game one against St. Louis. So you guys have any thoughts about that specific series that kind of stuck out to you moving forward? 
I'm not gonna lie, covering the Minnesota Wild, I did not watch much of that. I did, I did keep tabs mostly because I, I, I made the hot take on my podcast that the Wild are gonna accidentally finish third in the division, and St. Louis is actually gonna drop to fourth. Um, if they have, if you know, Bennington just can't get it together. So that, that's all I'll say on it, and I'll pass over to Kyle to actually talk about <laughs> the Sharks and their play. Right, you know, it'd be the same. The same question we had before the season even started is the same answer I'm going to give. It's all about goaltending and defense, and they're lacking actually defensive play and solid goaltending. I mean, they're gonna, they're going to win some games uh, on their offense and on their skill, but it's not a lineup that I look at going. You know what? They go into this game and handily going. You know what? They're going to win. It's always been about goaltending. And anyone, I can question that. Jones is going to play great every once in a while, but it's not consistent. Uh, Jinx is going to play every once in a while, but I just don't see them defending the goal front net as much as I want to see them playing. And you know what? We've seen it in the first, what, 10 games? I mean, it's not even that, but it's it's the same question we had in the offseason. It's the same questions I question myself now going is is Dubnik and Jones the answer is their defense the answer anyone I look at I look at players that you would think that would rise to the occasion that are not rising to the occasion and getting burned handedly but again if they go to a shootout or if they're three up if they're up three and two uh towards the end of the third period they're gonna win of their skill but the depth of this team and their defensive structure to me is the same question I had two months ago. Yeah, going back to like the first couple of games um, or the first two series, it seemed like there's a lot of offense, but you're never comfortable enough with the lead because the defense in front of the goaltending has always been subpar or or subpar now because at times it would seem like we're dressing five forwards because that's yeah. how bad the defense is. Um, yeah. It's funny because in the second game, um, what we noticed was like that pendulum swing kind of back. We got uh, Craig Granger chiming in from Facebook Live says, what's up, fellas? What's going on, Craig? How's it going, man? You getting ready for the NASCAR season? It's coming up. I believe it's the week after Super Bowl. So Fast as fuck. Yeah, he's getting ready. Um, but we saw that pendulum kind of swing back where the Sharks were generating a lot of offense but giving up a lot of chances. And, and now they're not generating a lot of offensive chances but they're not allowing too many offensive chances either. So it seems like either way, the games, you can never be relaxed with a lead, even a two-goal lead. We saw the Sharks give up two-goal leads multiple times now, even only a couple games into the season. Um, and we can kind of use that same mantra moving forward, recapping game one against uh, the Wild. The Sharks played another defensive-style game against Minnesota. Uh, we actually saw a couple of lineup changes again, which is something I'm happy to see. It seemed like with the Peter DeBoer system, it was running the same guys. Uh, more specifically, it always seemed like Joachim Ryan would start over Tim Heed for no reason. Like even when Joachim Ryan would have multiple back-to-back-to-back games where he would give up a lot of defensive or a lot of like problems in his own zone. He'd have his problems in his own zone. We would never sub anybody out. We'd never change up any lines for the starting lineup. He would do the old Peter DeBoer line blender special. But now it's nice to see that there's no one's job that's necessarily secure. We see Noah Gregor get scratched. We see Dylan Gambrell come in at third center and he looked pretty good. He actually got leaned on for the majority of the second half of the game. Uh, he centered, I believe the second line when they moved hurdle down, we start seeing a couple of different lineup changes in that second game. Um, and 
the second half of the St. Louis Blues game and the entirety of the Minnesota Wild game seem to look like the rebirth of Eric Carlson's offense. This is just from what I'm seeing. Defensively, Eric Carlson will always be Eric Carlson in the defensive zone. But, oh boy, give him a little bit of time and some space, and that guy starts flying up the ice. He, he had a couple of breakout chances uh, just by himself, not to mention he directly influenced the only goal that the Sharks got in that game. Fourth-line goal, Patrick Marlowe goes into the corner, works the puck out, passes it up to Carlson, and he just no-look redirect passes yep. it. To Nieto flying right to the spot, through the spot. Oh, that was beautiful. It was that gorgeous. Was that, was a, that was a great tip. Yeah. It, it's what we wanted to see from Eric Carlson, right? It's what we've been waiting almost three years to see from Eric Carlson. We're talking about the fourth line, and we know that, or, or in my opinion, Minnesota's a better team as far as depth. The Sharks may have a better top six, but throughout the rest of the lineup, and I think uh, like State of Hoppy mentioned this on today's Soda Pod, the the, the Minnesota Wild are essentially better deeper throughout their lineup. Um, so it's going to be on the top six guys to kind of take over these games. You got to outscore the Wild because the Wild don't have the offense. It, it's supposed to run through Kevin Fiala, and Kevin Fiala, he's snake bitten right now. He's shooting six, eight shots a night, dangling through a few people, hitting posts. He just can't score. And the offense isn't expected to run through that young rookie, you know, I guess he's not even that young because he's played in the KHL for so long, but uh, Kirill Kaprizov, he's doing great, but they're not going to, give this guy too much responsibility, right? As he adjusts to the national hockey league game. So you said it there, Nick, uh, I'd say like, and this is what Hoppy said on, on my show that the, the sharks have the, the top two lines, 100% beat as far as offensive talent. And, um, and the wild have the bottom two lines, uh, defense and goaltender. We lost Kyle, but he'll probably be back. Yeah. He'll jump back in. No problem. I'll see. Oh, and I believe there he is. Let's take a look here. Kyle, you're back with us, bud. I'm trying to, all right. It's all good. It's all you're good. Still, you're so still far, good. So far, so good. Yeah. Um, a couple of yeah. comments really quick in from Twitter. We got Zach, Zach Croft, who's in on the pregame episode, says, hello, everyone. And he also brings up a big point. Sharks need a big regulation win. Goes on to say no overtime, no uh, no shootout. We need to stop giving these guys points. You know, we, we split this series against Arizona and St. Louis, but they end up with three points to our two. That's not going to help us moving forward. That's that's a huge point. Um, the biggest question that I have kind of moving forward as far as special teams goes, because the Sharks have like slowly snaked their way up to, I believe, sixth best penalty kill right now. Um, thank you, Evander Kane, for allowing us to get the statistics to be better on the penalty kill, I guess, because you're doing it all by yourself. Um the speed of the power play in the first couple games was phenomenal. It was very confusing for defenses to try to figure out who was going where with the puck. That's where we saw Couture score a couple of goals against St. Louis. We saw Hurdle score a couple of goals. Even Donato gets his first goal as a San Jose Shark on the power play. Zach chiming in tells us to stay out of the penalty box in all caps. Uh, we agree. But the the power play seemed to be a lot slower against the Wild, and I think that has to do with how the wild play, they, they sort of suffocate you defensively and force you to go along the perimeter in places that you don't want to go. And you're not allowed to get a lot of grade a opportunities. Did you guys, I know, I know you saw the game this time, Isha, because you cover the Minnesota wild. Is that something you also noticed? Yeah, no, 100%. And I think, I think the sharks, if they, 
if they can keep that speed game up and consistent, they could be a real pain in the ass for the for this division. Um, and I and just to go back a little bit further and comment on what you said about Evander Kane on the penalty kill, like that's something that a lot I don't think the entire league knows that he's so good at. And he's been good at that, you know, as far back as you know the WHL playing in junior. Um, you know, he's he's an elite scorer, don't get me wrong, but he and maybe his two-way play five on five isn't the best of times because his his role is to get into the slot and get those shooting chances. But you know, he has that edge to his game. He takes more penalties than anyone in, in the league, if I'm not mistaken. But on the penalty kill, I mean Man, he's such he's such an asset. So to go to what Zach said too, if Kaner can stay out of the penalty box, man, this guy he's really really going to help uh, the San Jose Sharks in one key spot on special teams. Yeah, definitely. And um, again, fi- you know, kind of finalizing or, or talking about that that game one recap against Minnesota. Um, you know, Talbot he he went out to some sort of injury. We know that he's day to day right now. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's starting. I think they probably might give it to Kakinen. Just why not? Like, be safe. This kid has to get more reps, and with Staylock out, he's going to be taking you know the, you know the the fifty fifty you know kind type of back and forth goaltending tandem that I, I believe everybody in the league is going to have to employ in some shape or, or fashion. Yeah, um, kind of talking about goaltending tandems. Dubnik didn't play bad. He didn't no. play amazing. He didn't play over the top standing on his head, but he got it from, in my opinion, something that the sharks would want in that backup quote unquote scenario. He goes in, he plays a a, a league average or slightly above league average type of game and allows two goals. Majority of the time you allow two goals, you're going to win the majority of the games. The, The sharks offense, again, talking about that pendulum kind of swinging back and forth with them, where it seems like if they're not, generating a lot of offense and giving up a lot of offense. They're, they're focusing on defense and not really scoring so much themselves. So in, in my opinion, Dubnik had a, a pretty decent game, but we have Jones tonight against San Jose or sorry, against uh, for San Jose against Minnesota. I'm really interested to see how he plays so far. It seems like every time he starts after Dubnik, he has a phenomenal job. I believe the post, the last save percentage he posted in his in his start was like a 958 which is something that we'd like to see from Jones especially in these wins so uh going back to what Kyle says it's very if the team San Jose can find a way to keep that defensive play structured well in front of the goaltenders and allow them to be able to see the pucks being shot at them uh, the offense should be able to kind of produce itself because of how heavily favored we are in the top 6 uh, Steve chiming in says they need to get him a win. Yes, need to give Dubnik a win. He's been in and lost twice already, so uh, we'll see if they'll be able to do that. So, before we kind of recap, or sorry, I'm all over the place today. Before we go into the game two, which is playing tonight in almost an hour, just a little over an hour, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Just got a quick commercial break here. Uh, from one of the boys at the uh, Hockey Podcast Network. You might have heard of them. It's Skates and Plates for Winnipeg, so we'll be right back. Calling all Jets fans and foodies. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Look, if you love Jets hockey, this is the place for you. In-depth breakdowns from every game, a deep dive into the big plays and moments from Winnipeg's season, and all the Jets talk you will not find anywhere else. We got it for you on Skates and Plates. Plus, if you love carbs and everything tasty, we jump into the world of food as well. 
Once a week, we also speak with a member of the local culinary scene to highlight their great stories and the great food they put out. So there it is. Hockey, jets, food, drink, everything good in life. It's right here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I hope he live streams soon. I want to watch him make some of this stuff. Oh, man. Uh, we had him on the Soda Pod la- last episode, and it was unbelievable. This guy, he's awesome. He's a pro. He does the, the midday show at uh, TSN. I believe it's 1290 in Winnipeg. And, um, and yeah, his show is awesome. And he's like, he's such a foodie. Like, half the show is hockey talk, which is great because he's a pro. And then half the show, he brings on, like, local restaurant owners. And they all have stories where, like, the NHL players come in and just muck a bunch of sandwiches and, and whatnot. So it's good. Uh, what, even- what, hey, what NHL hockey player doesn't want to eat? I know, and he's like big buff. He would muck like three or four. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, where was your favorite place to go, Kyle, when you played? Oh my God! You know, I've been. I mean, Morton's. Uh, you mean there's places I couldn't even tell you where they were because I'd go uh, when I was younger with Boston, and, and we go to Chicago, and I just jump in with the older guys, and we go to this little hole in the wall. And have a spread that you wouldn't believe, oh, or or Colorado, or I mean, going going to Montreal. With I was just gonna Bull. say Montreal is probably was probably yeah. like in top two because the restaurants yeah. there's unbelievable. Yeah, but going with Ray Borg, who's like <laughs> basically from there, and you know he was like a twenty year veteran. Is like, all right, I'll just hang out with him. Yeah, but roll out the, the red carpet in Montreal. Yeah, <laughs> just oh my god. I mean, there's small places. I mean, but I mean, I, I still love going to Calgary. Spending time with the spaghetti factory with my parents. Do I mean there's there's different things going on? And you think the spaghetti factory is nothing, but you know what? Going with hey, your parents, Kyle, hanging we got, out. We got one in Victoria, man. I and yep. even in Vancouver. And I remember when I went and saw the World Juniors when they were in Vancouver a couple years ago. Spaghetti factory for lunch, baby. That's what yep. we did. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. You know, a lot I of the times, it. a lot of the times, the game days is you're getting stuff prepared uh, in the hotels for the teams. But it was off days, and those were the ones that I went to other places that I'd never heard about. Um, oh, I got one they, for you. What about the Roxy in Vancouver? I heard that was a good uh, joint. I've been to the Roxy in Vancouver. I heard they got a good buffet. <laughs> there is a buffet. <laughs> All you can eat. All right, I'll stop. I'll yes. Stop. <laughs> hey, keep that quiet. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Kyle, have you been to the old spaghetti factory down here in like Roseville area? No, I can't say I have. Ah, it's, it's not, not that like great. in Canada. <laughs> it's not no, it's, yeah, it, it's it's not Canadian spaghetti factory. I'll yeah, tell you it's that. don't go. <laughs> like, don't, don't, it's just spaghetti. Right? It's the <laughs> shitty olive yeah. garden. I think California is really known for like its barbecue joints. Like we got a really we have a lot of really good barbecue and Mexican food joints around here. Oh, Kyle, it's Kyle, so we got a we got an interesting question for you here from, yeah. from Steve. Uh, did you have a, a dirt bag autograph hound named Ace in Boston, Kyle? A friend told me about him. Ace. Don't, no, I don't think I did. That, that, okay. I have, I'd have to. I have to think about that more. The uh, more so than like two seconds, but. He said, uh, "Jumbo found out he was selling his auto and was after him when he said it uh, was for charity." I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> uh, shady autograph seekers out there. Um, but there's a few. I mean, there's a few that I know that are legit. But there's also a few that you'd always see outside the practice rink, wanting autographs. So I'm sure I met him at some point. Okay. 
when I was uh, playing in Boston, but I can't remember the put. I mean, unless you know his last name. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't remember an ace. Dig, dig up the dirt, uh, Steve. You know where to find us on on Twitter. Yep. Uh, Zach also has a question for you, Kyle. Uh, what do the Sharks have planned uh, for you since it's the thirtieth anniversary? Well, I know we did. I know we did something the twenty fifth anniversary. Okay. But you know what the thing is 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 can they play at home? Yeah. You know what I mean, and, and I'm sure they're I'm I'm sure they're trying to come up with something. So, you know I mean, this is probably the worst thirtieth anniversary of a of a team to not be able to play at home in front of their fans. But hopefully, we get there before the season ends, and I'm sure they're going to have some kind of celebration or or some kind of ceremony or something to uh, to congratulate the whole players, fans. That have been there for the 30 years. Absolutely. All right, Nick, what yep. else do we got on tap? Oh, just more boring hockey talk. I know everyone wants to listen to all of Kyle's amazing food stories and right? autograph <laughs> stories, you know, but we're, we're again just recapping with, or sorry, not recap. We're looking forward to tonight's game uh, against the Minnesota Wild. Again, starting at now, it's exactly one hour until puck drop. Uh, got a couple of different change ups to the lineup which is a, a surprise for me. And one that I, I saw Hoppy was pretty excited about, Donato slotting in at the uh, first line left wing spot. So he's going to get some increased minutes, you know, slotting in there. We also have Leonard going back up to the second line to recreate the Hulk line, Hurdle, Leonard, and Kane. And Timo Meyer being, quote-unquote, demoted all the way down to the third line left wing. So we'll see what that does for him, if it can you know, light a fire under his ass, get him back on his horse, essentially where he can score goals and be the, the player that the Sharks essentially drafted him for. Um, we have Gambrell centering that line, and then Noah Greger filling in for Stefan Nason tonight at that right wing. I think the Sharks are going to go back to that speed kills mentality, whereas with Nason, they got a little bit bigger in the lineup. Uh, didn't seem to work as well for them in game one. And then, of course, fourth line has been sticking together for the majority of the beginning of the season. Sorensen, Marlowe, and Nieto. And then we already talked about Jones starting in net. So uh, talking wow. about this, yeah, exactly. A lot of, lot of change-ups in the lineup. I, I don't mind it or, hey, or Nick, mind it, honestly. Nick, I got to ask you a question. What's up? Uh, Vlasic. Oh, boy. What's your, what's your take on Vlasic? So I, know again, I don't know if you guys have talked about this because I can't. I haven't been on in a while, but it just seems like he's kind of not a first line defensive pairing anymore. It looks like he's, it means, I don't know if it's something's hurting him, but I mean, there's other players that are playing more minutes than him for a top pairing defensive unit with Carlson. And I don't know what's going on with him, but I've, when I've watched the games, I'm like, it just doesn't look like he's engaged as much as I've seen in the past years. And like I said, I don't know, but I'm just, I want you guys to take on it. No, that's a, it's a phenomenal observation, honestly, because I believe Shane Pang or, and Bob Bugner actually touched on it earlier or in post game where they talked about how he believes, Bob Bugner believes that Mark Edward Vlasic has a next step that he can take. I believe he had only 18 minutes of time on ice. Yep. So when you have a guy like Ferraro, who's getting played, those. What, played 23? I think he played 21 or 22 minutes. Ferraro. Yeah. And he's over, got over Vlasic. Shit. 
yeah, yeah, he's gotten a lot of jump in his step too. I don't know if you yep. noticed, and I'm I'm taking a look at the stats in game one right now. Yeah, Ferraro was at 21 and a half minutes, whereas Vlasic was only at 18 and a half minutes. Yep. Where Carlson and Burns are both at the 28 minute mark. And you so, think Vla- you think Vlasic would be maybe the 22 to 25 minute person? You know, for seven million dollars a year, I would hope so. You'd think, but he's not. Nope. So man, he's fallen off so quick. Cause like you look at yeah. 2018, 19, even a, a pretty, pretty good season, 25 points. And points is yeah. not his game, right? Being the defensive guy. But he also contributed in the playoffs. He had like eight points, three goals in 18 games, and it was was a stud. I remember that that year. Yep. And then you know, last season happened, which you know, you don't want to just blame one guy, but I mean the finger was pointed at him for a lot of the lulls on, on the back end when, you know, Burns and Carlson also didn't have, you know, the best seasons. Yep. And now it just looks like he is an anchor out there. And I remember this guy like didn't light up, you know, the, the points, like I said, and still was chosen to be on a team Canada Olympic team. That's how good of a defenseman this guy was, yep. you know, what feels like just yesterday, but a few years ago. And it seemed like, I don't know what's happened. Maybe, maybe there's has been an injury that, it's just, it's not getting better. Or yeah. now that it's gone, he's just going to take a while to get his legs back. I don't know, guys, but it just seems like he's so slow. And not even just like north-south speed or, you know, lateral speed, just like reading the game in general. It just yeah. looks like he's a step behind. And that's yeah, someone like, I, I loved this guy as a, you know, a, a national team player. So I've kept yeah. tabs on him throughout the, the Sharks uh, last few years. And it just, it just sucks to see. Yeah, you think he'd be the best anchor? Yeah. For playing defensive hockey and shutting people down, I'm just I'm just questioning if if it's there anymore. And he's been doing it for such a long time for the Sharks. I remember when he first came up, and you know, and, I mean, he was unbelievable. Jimmy you know I mean? was like, you know what, Mark Edward Vlasic. You know I mean, it's it's that's our guy. But this year so far, I'm not seeing it. But right now, is he? A, it's I mean, I don't I I don't know what's plus minus off the top of my hand. But I'm just seeing other younger players. I mean, he to me he'd be the maybe the third best defenseman on the team, but the best defensive defenseman on the team. Mm-hmm. But now there's I'm seeing at least three guys that have more minutes than him, and I'm not seeing him on the ice in critical times anymore. He's getting his minutes, yes. 18 minutes is a lot of minutes, but again, for a defenseman, to me is his stature. Should be getting 22 to 25 minutes a game, but he's been taken off the ice so much. But it's just a question of why. But I can see why because his play dictates how much ice time he gets. Maybe that's a coaching system or, or something else. But I'm just not seeing him on the ice in the, in the critical times that you think that in the past that you'd see him. I think going back to the last couple of years, that the Sharks maybe not the general managing, but the coaching staff has kind of noticed that before you could put him and Justin Braun out there on the penalty kill with Barkley Goodrow and Melker Carlson. And it was like, good luck. We have the best penalty kill in the league. You're not getting anything through. Braun goes to Philly and Vlasic just gets older and older. And with that, with that time, the play has started to deteriorate, but at a like exponential rate downwards. And, for you to see it as an ex NHL player, especially being a defensive defenseman, it just speaks volumes, especially with Bugner kind of bringing it up as a defenseman yep. who is now a head coach. You're starting to see that Vlasic is not the player who he used to be. I don't think it could be attributed to a, an injury right now because the skating stride and everything is there. It's just like his head isn't necessarily caught up with the speed of the game or it's going too fast for him right now. Yep. Um, 
The game's, cha- hey, Nick, the game's changing, and it's going a lot faster. You watch the games nowadays, and you're like, holy I mean, holy shit. I mean, I'd have to step up freaking 20% just to keep up with a lot of these players. And even that, like, I look at McDavid playing. I couldn't keep up with him. I mean, they're, they're, I mean I'd be taking penalties, it feels like, every second time he's on the ice. But You'd be hitting him, your tricep every day. I mean, exactly. It'd be like, holy shit. But I just... <laughs> But I just don't see him like when I look at the lineups and stuff. I just don't see him being a top two defenseman anymore. And I hate saying that because I love him and I've loved him in the past. But now is the game slowly catching up to him, or is his age catching up to him? Because I see a lot of older players playing better than he is. But or is he just not? Is he not like into it? And again, that's my question: Is I love him as a player. I want him on the ice. But I'm just not seeing it out of him right now. And, and Boudner said is he has another level. But I think it's not even just another level. I think there's actually five years that he's going to step it up. For me to see what he's done two years ago or three years ago, you know, like, is it time to, I hate to say this, find somebody else younger and maybe cheaper and and move on from him, but that's hard for me to say because I I love him. I loved him as a teammate, and I still love watching him. But I mean, like again, is is the the Sharks to me are stuck in old and new or what they're doing and here and there. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. That full no move clause is really yep. handicapping the team. Seven million AAV, and and Zach Man commenting in and saying it. Look at the contract. Yep. The contract he's he's contracted with the team. All the way up until the end of the 25 26 season at seven mil a year. So that's some, that's some Zach Parise shit right there. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you're, you're stuck in quicksand essentially. You're in salary cap purgatory where you're overpaying for talent that was talent five, six years ago that isn't necessarily the talent that it, it was. He's not playing to his contract, yep. you know? And the other pairing, the problem is, is there is no one else. There's no one else to put yep. with. To, with Eric Carlson that can be quote unquote relied on. You know, our our best left-handed D man right now is Mario Ferraro. That's who that's he's has the most spunk. He has the best contract and he's getting all the top minutes, but he's with Brent Burns. So the only other person that you have after that would be a redeemed Shimek type of player. And you could possibly put him on the line with Carlson. But then there's that language barrier because Shimek is from the Czech Republic and familiarity. Well, yeah goes a long way as well. Um, I think it has to go more down the lines of fam- familiarity with the Vlasic and Carlson product that we're putting out on the ice right now. But it's y- your your point is not debatable. Yep. Vlasic has slowed down physically, and it seems like it's affecting the mental game and like where he's at. So you saw Joe Thornton adapt. He, ta- he blew out both of his knees, but his head is still, he's two steps ahead of where the puck is going to be. He's like, I know where I have to be. I know where this whole play is going. I can see this game in ways that no one else can see it. And Vlasic needs to find a way defensively to be on that level to continue to compete at this level. Uh, you, yeah. you said it, you said it there because players who you know still have to play out you know years on their contract and who are older but are at that elite talent level. I mean, as a Vancouver guy, I saw it with the Sedins. Yeah, they slowed down, but they were never the quickest guys to begin with. They just yeah. knew where to be, and as long as they had someone who could give them space they could still produce in the national hockey league. Like I remember their last game too. their last game in overtime, Edler, Daniel or Edler Henrik to, to Daniel. Like it just, 
it was poetic and it was because they they knew where to be to execute and no you you said it there with big joe he was yeah. he is still exactly the same yeah hockey iq goes a long way and you never lose that but you lose to me you lose a little like it looks like he lost a little bit of heart yeah. and i don't know what i don't know what it is you know what i mean i i really don't and i'm not saying he's lost hard to play mm -hmm. i know he still wants to play it just he doesn't seem like the last year the year before that he's just engaged and to me if you're going to be a top two defenseman on this team and we all know burns and carlson after that it should be vlasic and right now to me it's just not but now does he go down to the third pairing i mean but i mean you said language barrier isha language barrier in hockey really doesn't matter because to me it, you mean you're playing the game no fair. Mean, I, like, I, like I, I mean that's i mean even if i can't talk to somebody i mean I, there's a bunch of germans i i played with and i'm like you know what i have no clue what you're telling me but it doesn't sound good <laughs> but just go play the game and we'll make it work yeah yeah and, hockey's but, a language Yes, I mean, just you know what you should do. I mean, it's it, it is what it is. I mean, there's a lot of Russian goalies. You I mean Navi? I mean, I mean, there's a there's a lot of different language barriers out there, but it doesn't stop you from playing the game the right way. And I just I'm I'm just not. You know, if the Sharks are going to succeed, Vlasic needs to step up his game twofold, in my opinion, for the Sharks to even consider being that four seed. In the, I would say the Pacific Division, but it's not the, the Honda Hon West Division. The, the Honda West Division. I mean, Honda. in order to even sneak in there, he's got to play so much better than what I'm seeing now. And it just is, it's, you know, I mean, there's other teams out there that have younger, cheaper, more talented right now players. Yeah, and um, going back to the. You know, talking about how Meyer for this upcoming game tonight is going to be demoted down to yeah. that third line left winger. Do you do the same with Mark Edward Vlasic? Do you put Redeem Shimek up on that first pairing with Eric Carlson and you put or you demote Vlasic down to the third line pairing because he's essentially getting second line minutes? Yep. Do you put him down on that third line pairing with Nikolai Kanijov and you let them work together and see, you know, maybe this demotion will light a fire under his butt, essentially, is what you're expecting to do with Timo Meyer. And the team's already having problems defensively enough as it is. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really interested. I think that's a great point that you bring up. You, we talk enough about defense in front of the net. And one of your highest paid and what's supposed to be your best defensive defenseman isn't playing to his potential. You know, what can the Sharks do and what can Vlasic do as a player to kind of elevate his game? Yeah. Um, but moving forward, looking into tonight's game, um, we, we've already essentially talked about it. We, we said that the Sharks have risen to six in the NHL with an just under 89% penalty kill percentage. Um, so Isha coming from like the, the Minnesota fan base, like we've talked a little bit about how the Sharks are really top heavy. What do you think the Sharks have to do tonight to beat the wild score, man? <laughs> if it's a scoring, if it honestly, unless Fiala comes out tonight, which he might, because the guy, like I said, has been shooting left, right, and center, and he's still still dangling guys and playing his game. He's just, it seems like he's a little snake bitten. If uh, if the Wild can, you know, match the Sharks in, in scoring, then I think the Wild have the edge. But if the Sharks can get a few quick ones in the first and 
at least stay above the wild for most of the, most of the game. The wild do have a tendency of coming back late, but no, if they can outscore them, um, it's, 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 it's the wild's game to lose. All right. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Not really, but, um, watch just, out for the score. Freezov kid though, dude, this guy's in the right spot all the time. Did Maybe you see the got checked off the puck and still tried to do the old between the legs? Dude. Oh my uh, God. You saw, you saw his, you saw his practice where he flipped it over the net and then freaking hit it off the crossbar and then the net. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's shit I could never imagine doing because I'd probably fall over myself going around the net. So <laughs> six round pick. It took him five years to get here, but he's, but he is finally here and he's, he's come as advertised. And the thing is, they're not yeah. giving him a ton of pressure. They're not being like, look, they're giving him first line minutes, but they're like, look, the offense is not expected to come through you. And even when he plays on their third line, the third line for the wild is honestly their best line. It's their shutdown line. It's centered by um, Joel Erickson Eck. And then Jordan Greenway yep. is on his wing along with um, Marcus Foligno. And sometimes Kaprizov will, will go in with Greenway or Foligno. Like he'll he'll t uh, switch in one of those guys. And Ek and whoever else the winger is, they've been able to give him a lot of space. And when this kid has space and he's comfortable, he can he can do magic with the puck. So I I'd say watch out for him and, and Fiala as far as like goal scoring threats. And but you know again the Sharks got to shoot. They have to shoot the puck because if they try to do anything fancy, this defense five on five and on the back end are going to shut them down. Steve commenting in from Twitter says, we're going to score tribute to Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to score. <laughs> you went, they, you went, the Sharks are going to score, but can Leonardo, they, let's but, go. They, but they can, can they defend hey, scoring? If, if it's a five, four, five, three game, you'll take it. <laughs> you mean the thing, that's the thing is everyone's so about offense, right? You have to be able to stop the puck. Like you have to be able to prevent that puck going from in 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 the net, but I I mean I I, I just I haven't seen enough yet. I mean the Sharks are going to have to play a, a pretty good, per, near perfect game to beat Minnesota because to me Minnesota is more has more depth. Third in the league, third in the division, baby. Let's four go. and one, yeah. four and one. Yes, and they have more depth, and that's the thing is we always say Sharks are like top heavy. So again, is is you want if you can if you can throw four lines at those teams every single shift, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and the defense, all three defensemen are going out there in the world, and and yes, it's all goaltending. I'm not saying Minnesota is like the next up and coming team, but they're just built a different way, and they've shown it so far early on in the season than the Sharks have. It might be like Vegas and not even need six defensemen to win games. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, one more question in from Twitter, uh, specifically for you, Kyle, from Zach Croft. His thoughts on Brent Burns. I'm assuming it's so far this season. Oh, this season? Well, you know what? Huh, are we talking about defensive Brett Burns or are we talking about offensive Brett Burns? Because there's two different things. Because he brings, he brings so much offensively. But as a defenseman, you have to be able to play defense. And that's he's a right thing. winger. He again. He is a basically a transfer. He is a transform forward to defense. So he's a uh, he's the ultimate hybrid. Yeah, and I just I went. I don't know. I mean, I, I the, he he won the Norris for scoring points. Do you know what I mean? But again, as even when I look at a, a Norris Trophy winner, I'm looking at the Larry Robinsons and the Ray Borgs that could uh, play offensive defense. And also still defend and and be a beast and a freaking asshole in the corners, 
But then you go in the the. Well, I don't want to say this. The game has changed so much where it's points are getting rewarded for Norris Trophy winners, in my opinion. And there's so much more talent. I mean, uh, Hedman uh, from Tampa Bay. Best, I watched in the league. I, best in the league. Solid defensively. Uh, his goal the other night, or was it yesterday, between the legs. But getting up in the play, but then he gets back. I mean, there's Peter Angelo from Vegas now. I mean, those are the guys I watch because they're not just one-dimensional. They're, they can get back. They can play defense. They can block shots. The I just, yes, I just don't see that right now with Brett Burns, but I still love him as a player. I just don't – like, what's the difference between him and Carlson right now? I mean, Carlson to me is a better defenseman than Brett Burns. You mean yeah. the, uh, when Burns is on the when Burns is on the ice, he is a basically a, a fourth forward out there. But again, again, then again, is you have to pair him with somebody that can play defense and actually keep up to him. And I'm just again right now the Sharks are, I just don't see it. Yeah, they're hoping that the Mario Ferraro is that player. Um, that's why they leaned on them. So we'll see how that works moving forward. Uh, right now, we're going to kind of transition over into our Twitter questions and comments. Uh, we got a couple in on the post that we did earlier today. Uh, got one right here from 10-4 Radio Podcast at 10, T-E-N, the number four radio. Uh, it says, hopefully Sharks can figure out their own D. Looked super shaky last game. Seems to be just a reoccurring theme. Uh, you know, the the hypothetical question we posed out there to kind of gauge the, the viewers and the listeners was, can the shark score on the Minnesota wild D and, and much like what we talked about today, it's, it's not the Minnesota wild defense that we need to be worried about. It seems to be our own defense that we need to be worried about today. So um, yeah, just a, a great comment. And Isha, you know, you know a little bit about these 10, four radio yeah, guys? radio guys. They're uh, two, uh, two police officers in Minnesota who do a podcast and they're huge supporters of the soda pod. So shout out to the boys at 10, four radio podcast. You guys are killing it. So not only are they giving great advice to us, they're also giving us a couple of jabs to our defense. So <laughs> that's nice to know. Uh, we got another comment in from Ryan McKinney at Ryan McKinney 198 says Donato was buzzing out there last night. Glad to see him get a shot in the top six tonight, which is well-deserved. Hopefully he lights up his old club. I agree. It's nice to see him get that shot with the, uh, with Couture centering. I feel like, you know, what the hell? Why not? We seem to be a 500 team more than anybody else right now. And yeah, Zach comments in from Twitter says Donato is playing great. He's got that extra juice that not a lot of players seem to have right now for the Sharks. You want to? You so. mean if you're playing against your old team, you're always going to have a little extra juice. You mean yeah. Dubnik the other night, uh, Donato? You mean might as well uh, kind of elevate their game and, and see if they can score some goals. Usually, back in the day, you'd put money on the board. If I was if I was playing, if I was in San Jose playing Boston, you put a little bit of money on the board. I don't know if we could say that nowadays, but. Uh, and it's not betting. We all know what happened, Kyle. It's okay. Yeah, no, I know. So you should hear Doug Bodger talk about the amount of money he put up on the board when Lemieux and him are ripping it up in Pittsburgh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but you always you, you always want to play uh, really good against your old teams, and and thankfully I was in a suitcase where I played for like six or seven teams. I had to put money up every freaking city <laughs> I went to because there's only basically one. So, I mean, I I love to see it. I mean. Donato to me is is uh, has been one of the best players all year. He works his ass off, uh, hasn't been rewarded enough on the goal scoring thing, 
But uh, you know what? I'm glad to see him uh, hopefully on the first line the whole game against Minnesota. I mean, Dubnik to me should have got a, another chance, but I mean, Jones has played well too, but they're kind of both average, in my opinion, so far this year. It seems like they're doing just a flip flop every other game. They're just swapping them. It, it seems so far to have worked out. I don't think either of them, minus like one fiasco, have allowed too many goals. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes moving forward. Um, is there anything else you guys want to touch on? And we we had a bit I of a longer one, one here. I got one last thing for Kai here. So, like, when you ever say you go back and like visit in Lethbridge, you go yep. you maybe check check a WHL game when uh, when the Rockets come to play. Do you go to the locker room with the boys in Lethbridge and put money on the board there? Because that's no. a clear team. <laughs> that is that is that's a hard one. Uh, you know the thing is is I mean I went to, I went back a couple years ago when I could actually go back in my hometown and I took my kids and we went to a game. They're a good team uh, now. The a Hurricanes game. The Hurricanes yeah. have, been, have been really well. Um, I haven't seen a Kelowna Rockets game in a long time. Um, I still know the owner, uh, the coach. Uh, I think it's uh, Millette. I played with him in Boston. Okay. So um, I think if there's a chance for me to go up, uh, you mean sooner or later, uh, then I'd love to catch a game in Kelowna because I know they have a bunch of uh, – they have a great alumni with a lot of NHL players that have won cups and have won everything. Uh, they have golf, uh, you know, tournaments and stuff oh, like yeah. that. I, I'd love to get up there because uh, it was a great time. But you also got to think: is my time that I spent with the Rockets wasn't in Kelowna. Yeah, it was Tacoma. It, I, know, it, I know. It, it was it was Tacoma, but still, I mean, uh, Hamilton's the owner. Uh, I know his, his brother, uh, his sister-in-law, is still involved in it. Uh, but usually, when I usually when I go up my hometown, it's all root for the Hurricanes unless it's Cologne is in town, but I haven't seen a game in a long time. Look, uh, when the world opens up again, you let me know when you come out here. I'll hook you up with the Moj from TSN 1040. He'll get you in his golf tournament 100%. That sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got, Nick. I'm good. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, just a quick shout out to thank you to Isha for joining us for this week's episode. I hope you guys get absolutely fucking decimated six to nothing tonight. And that just comes from the me. You're going to win if you score. Yeah, <laughs> I mean score like run up the goals like. Oh, okay. Damn. Never mind. I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> uh, remember to follow us at Stick Hungry Pod. Uh, you can follow the network at Hockey Pod Net. You can follow myself on Twitter at Nick Floor underscore uh, Isha. Where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Vi Sports Talk and the Soda Pod at the Soda Pod. And Kyle, where can we find you? McLaren underscore K and uh, let's go Sharks tonight. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have a great night. Stay safe and uh, wash your hands.